This Christmas, see Santa as you've never seen him before. You want a piece of Santa? Come get some! In a world where everyone must kill to survive, even Santa. I'll trim the tree with your brains! Santa is one bad dude who's ready to save Christmas. Sorry, guy, but you've been naughty! Infinite Santa 8000. Now on demand on iTunes, Amazon, and other formats at InfiniteSanta.com. Tis the season to kill. Welcome, ho-ho, holiday, joy, everything to everybody. Happy holidays. It is our very special bonus episode of Christmas holiday-ness time. I'm Emily. With me, as always, is... Christine. That is Christine. (laughs) That's me. That's her. And today we are joined by a very special guest star. Uh, If I had intro music, it would be really cool and it would make things sound dramatic, but I don't. So instead, we're just going to say welcome to filmmaker uh, and extraordinaire uh, Jim Henson imitator, Mr. Michael (laughs) Neal. Oh, thank you very much. I'm on the spot now for my Jim Henson I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it, but every time I think of you, yes, I really did. do just think – like <laughs> in my mind, whenever I picture you, not not like I'm like, constantly picturing you or anything, but whenever I am – like <laughs> you know, taking a turn. On, on Thursdays yes, at like 3 p.m., let's just say. Whenever I am, I always just – in my mind, you're standing there with a the Kermit the Frog on your shoulder and you're just doing the Jim Henson. Awesome. Well, so, I, I did my Kermit for you before, right? You did, yeah, and it's clearly yeah, made right. a mark on me. I, okay, I thought so. It, that makes more sense than just some random Jim Henson <laughs> reference, which would be very cool, but it'd be a little more out of left field. So It'd be, uh, it'd be cool. a little weird if I was you know, somehow clearly like reading your emails or something, but I mean, no, it's, <laughs> you totally did the impression for me once. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all that is. Uh, so anyway, back to the holidays. Uh, now, whatever holidays you might celebrate, how is, first of all, it's December 2nd as we record today. So on one hand... This season hasn't really, like, just started, right? Like, Thanksgiving just happened, December just happened. Mm-hmm. But yet, doesn't it feel as though it's been Christmas for three months now? Yeah, definitely. What happens earlier each year, you know, it starts right. in August. and You know, I don't have TV anymore, so I do all Roku. But when I watch football, it's like, oh, man, there's Christmas ads everywhere. And what even Roku, like, it automatically changes to that, like, holiday snow background and even if yeah, you're trying yeah. to avoid it, they find a way. Uh, but now, for you, Michael, now I imagine Christmas, and I say Christmas, holidays, whatever, everybody, politically correct, everything, holidays. Uh, I imagine the season is stretched out a little longer for you because of one of your ongoing projects that we'd like you to tell us about, which is Infinite Santa. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. Sometimes I'll have friends ask me why I'm hummering. Jeez, uh, ask me why I'm. I'm well, let's skip that. Ask me why I'm humming um, Jingle Bells in in March because um, you know for for the project that you mentioned, Infinite Santa is an animated web series and film. It's a cyborg Santa Claus fighting mutants and robo people in the year eight thousand in a vast poke 
post-apocalyptic wasteland. You think I could say it more clearly? Well, I, I've said I it like a zillion times. Some, there's a lot of tongue twisters in that. It is. It is actually my my uh, creative partner Greg does it really well. He said it probably a thousand times more. Has than he I done have. it just by repetition? Like, is it the like red leather, yellow leather, just kind of <laughs> vocal warm up thing, or is he just naturally more gifted at that? No, it's a little of both. He um he went to a more conventions for it than I did when we did our film. So okay. he got he did the pitch even more than I did. So his is like you know six thousand to my five thousand or mm. something. So um it's the edge, but uh. But um, but yeah. Anyway, it started as a web series in 2010, and it was episodic. Uh, each one was about two to three minutes, and um, like I said, it was animated. It was a mix of sci-fi action and kind of Hallmark Christmas. There's mm-hmm. nothing really religious about it. Um, our, our Santa is kind of the it's like ultimate Christmas, more right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the Coke can Santa yeah. if he had to. You live in the year 8,000 and kill mutants to survive and had like a robotic scoping eye, you know, whereas right normal eye should be in a, a cleaver and, mm-hmm. you know, machine gun in his pocket. Now, so. Fox News may disagree, but to me, that's my set of claws. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, considering Fox News has bent recently, maybe they'd be into a Santa Claus that's, that's packing, you know. Um, as long as he's like white. A, oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we all know that. Yes, yes. You're just absolutely. saying what we're all thinking. Exactly, right? right? Dork. That's right. <laughs> so now in 2010, you guys had done it, and you did how many episodes at kind of the first onset? It was uh, 13. We wrote a complete first season. Um, our only rule was everyone had to have a cliffhanger, okay. and we did one a week, and the last one, the season finale, was a big cliffhanger, really big, and we just kind of wanted to see where it would go, and we got a really good response. Like, our other film, Driving a Horror Show, which is a horror film, has had a good response. Um, and, and it's an anthology, so people tend to um, you know, have favorites and not favorites and whatever. But we have a good audience for it. For whatever reason, the people that liked this really liked it. So we were very flattered, I mean, obviously. And we kind of figured, well, what else should we do? And at the time, the industry was really thriving in features. Now that's not really the case, but mm. – um, we figured, well, let's do a giant feature film. Let's do you know a 90-minute version with huge action set pieces and a more epic story and all that stuff that a bigger format lets us do, which in many ways was a good decision because the story is much more grand. They're bigger characters. You can learn more about the characters. Um, and you know, the beauty we have of Santa animation, I imagine, is that you're not worried. It's like you, don't, you still obviously have a budget, but not in the same way as if you decided, okay – I'm going to make a film and I'm going to make it bigger. But with animation, it's just drawing more, right? Yeah. No, it, it definitely. And our our style is hand-drawn and then painted in Photoshop and then animated in our um, our animation software. So we can replicate stuff. So we have like huge battle scenes in the movie that, I mean, they were tricky, but it's basically copying and pasting you know, monsters and explosions mm-hmm. and blood and guts. And right, it's not it's wrangling 200 extras. Oh yeah. No, I mean to do this live, I mean, this would have been like a hundred million dollar movie. Like, <laughs> you know, it is, there's just no way there's like a hundred foot tall Easter bunny. There's transforming robots. There's, you but know, all dreams, sorts of, right. Like if you ever won the lottery, that's, that's the end game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, funny you mentioned that actually we are, Working on a possible pitch for this as this is a little sidetrack as a um, a live action TV series. Ooh, neat! 
Yeah, something like like the Mad Max every week, you know, right, following right. the same format as say Walking Dead in terms of large overarching storylines. Um and uh, yeah, we've, I've actually we have a pilot written for it. And one of the nice things, this is really getting meandering, is that um, violence in animation, we push as far as we can, but there's really only so far you can go. But any of the stuff that Santa does with prosthetics would just be utterly disgusting and so much fun. So I would love to see this get done. You know, I don't know if I'd direct it. I'd probably just hand it off to someone else to, I would trust with the vision because I don't know if I want to deal with, you know, gigantic well, you'd have to have a cameo, obviously. Oh, sure. Definitely. Definitely. Or if, if the Easter, evil Easter bunny is in it, I'll have to do the voice because that's what I do. Um, yeah. Or the robot voices. That's a good way to always keep yourself involved in things, too. Is, well, you, it has to sound like me, so you have to cast me. Yeah. And it's nice because it was just, you know, it was just a – it just happened because I'm there, you know. And uh, <laughs> we have other actors we've hired and, you know, they work and they do a great job. And then there's – 20 other voices and Greg's like, all right, Mike, what can you do? Right. And it's awesome. Plus I got to talk like Ed 209 from RoboCop. And that's which, the dream of every movie nerd. You have no idea. And it was amazing because like a lot of times when you do the voices, they affect it afterwards. You know, they'll do some studio magic sure. and push a bunch of buttons. Auto-tune but, and such. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, make me sound like, oh, I don't know, One Direction or something. But um, Doesn't everything sound like One Direction now? <laughs> yeah. It did, definitely. Even death metal these days is going one direction. Um, But what's really neat is that our audio engineer was able to rig up the sound effect while I was saying it, and there was a little bit of latency, so it was kind of a weird, trippy thing where I was hearing my voice like a second later, but it was... I mean, come on. RoboCop's like one of the best movies ever made. I mean, I know every frame of that movie. Made by Paul It has to be, legally. Of course. That's right. That's right. So... Anyway, that was a really—I don't even know where your where the original question was, but that, that's kind of a very general backstory on what we've done. And um, oh, I guess I should say the film actually came out in 2013, um, and we one side effect of our ambitions uh, with the film was that we ended up doing huge amounts of animation. And when I say we, it's Greg Anson and myself mm-hmm. um, who have collaborated with for years. Uh, we did all the shots. Like, we got all the art, but we'd actually animate the shots. And we each did over a 1,000. And now, um, do you, if you both you both actually draw it? How, how exactly uh, does that work? Like, do one of you, I imagine, like, nobody draws exactly the same, right? So do you, do you focus specifically on one character and he does other characters? Or what's the, the techniques involved in that? Sure. Well, it's a funny thing. So it is hand-drawn, but... Not by us, for the most part. We hire other much more talented artists to do Santa. So the characters. So, for example, with Santa, we'll get them to draw Santa from the front and then separate all the body um, pieces, like the torso, different parts of the arm, multiple hands in different positions, a head with a removable hat, and um, you know different mouths and eye blinks. And then we bring it all into the animation software and basically make a bunch of shortcuts. So, like, we can tell the tell the computer that the hand has to start on the left side of the screen and end on the right, and the computer draws all the frames in between. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's amazing. And that's, yeah, it's it's one of those things I never you never think about, but it's really interesting to realize that how many how both kind of the artwork and then the technology really have to work together, but how there's so much machinery that does that now. 
oh yeah, it's amazing. And like, even if I could draw like that, we could never make it drawing every frame. It'd just be be crazy because you know we're also editing and doing sound. Yeah, we'd probably still be on the first episode. So yeah, well, I think um, of the, what is it, the Simpsons line when no animation isn't done live yeah. anymore. It put a terrible strain on the yeah. animators' wrists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, and the other thing we do too is that you know we use the same software that I'll use a football analogy again, like the intro thing that they do where they'll have like Faith Hill playing and a bunch of people in a crowd and the camera zooms around. It's like, that's the same software we use. So they just film real people and put them together and they add digital lights. Well, we add our, we add lights to all of our art. So if there's a scene that's supposed to take place at night, we use blue lights. And if it's in, you know, by a fireside, we use orange and yellow lights. So we're able to use the same art over and over again and make it seem fresh. And it also lets us craft like a noir look for it because my, my background's in cinematography so it was really easy not easy but it was a logical jump for me to be able to figure out how to kind of you know not force this software into what i knew how to do because well, it is a little you have different kind of, but... I guess, the, the visual palette for what it's supposed to look like so once you kind of figure out the technology to get it how you want it to look you come from you have that background to know where it's supposed to go right like i'm guessing yeah. you're probably you probably have a really good color spectrum like if i gave you 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 can probably figure out if something is calibrated correctly or not like you have the eye for it right yeah oh sure and actually i've done that um that, that's a good way to put it um one of my other gigs i've done from time to time is doing color correction on stuff mm-hmm. to be shown on tv and theaters so yeah it's something i've done a lot um and also just trying to create something that looks like it was filmed. We do a lot of stuff where um, where we have different layers on top of each other, and we'll blur them as though it's a camera. Um, Disney films used to do that all the time. Like They would have focus change from the foreground to the background, and they would actually hang the different plates in a room away from the camera. So they'd have one maybe four feet away and one ten mm-hmm. feet away. It's like, like and just a physical, literal force perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's just – yeah, it's awesome. And so – it wasn't like we were inventing this stuff. It was trying to draw on what we already knew. And I'm, I'm more of a student of the history of animation than, than Greg is, just from experience. I mean, he loves it. I've just studied this stuff for years. So knowing some of their tricks and figuring out, well, like, how can we do it so we can, you know, animate 30 seconds in a day instead of like 10, you know, like a tenth of a second. Sure. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, I imagine you get faster at it as you go, too. <laughs> Definitely. Although, like I said, if your ambitions accelerate um, faster than your skills, then sometimes you don't get any faster. You just make it harder for yourself. Yeah, but, and you just get very frustrated. Yeah, or or fried. But, you know, the yeah. nice thing is, now that it's done, we're really proud of it. And it's nice to be able just to sit back and, you know, see it with fresh eyes as much as we can. Yes. You know, the filmmaker never really sees it with fresh eyes. But um, So you're not you going to go in and, and George Lucas and have Santa, you know, shoot first or anything <laughs> like that? No big plans for the Jabba scene to get back in there? No, no. Although there are things where I see it, I'm like, oh, I could have animated that differently. Like, oh, that looks kind of cheap. You know, I could do this instead. But um, so I actually I do understand where that impulse comes from. I think maybe Tim Burton said that like no – I think it's him. No film is ever done. They just rip it from the director's hands. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's definitely true. But no, I'm not going to go in and do anything Lucasy uh, to that degree. No way. No. Good, good fan service there. Way to, way to speak yeah. well on it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You know, I'm not – it belongs to the fans once you make it. It's not really mine anymore. So yeah, I'm just going to leave it. It's, it's, it's an interesting question and one that I think with The Force Awakens coming out soon – 
uh, that question has kind of come up a lot because there's been a lot of interviews with George Lucas. And there's sort of, I see both theories of it where, especially with film, you're right, once it's in the hands of fans, it takes on whatever life and whatever meaning they bring to it. At the same time, I guess, like, you know, if if it if I was George Lucas and I really felt like this scene needed more CGI and I had the ability to do it, why wouldn't I? Other than the fact that I would be, you know, ruining people's childhoods <laughs> and everything. But right. it's one of those constant, you know, constant conundrums. But so yeah. if people, and as they should, want to see some Infinite Santa, want to watch the movie, want to watch the shorts, uh, tell us how they do that. Sure. So... Two ways. One, InfiniteSanta.com has everything. It has our movie, web series, a bunch of press, including something from you, Emily. At least one, I believe two, um, which is good. And you can also go to our YouTube channel, which is really where we're pushing people these days. So um, to be brief, what I mentioned before about the industry being in the place of features a couple years ago, now it's all back on the web. It's kind of funny. We're kind of ahead of our time, I guess. Um, so we've pushed back on the web a little bit, and with our Infinite Santa channel, we've been adding bonus content every week. Commentary for the film, we broke it up into 10, maybe 10 to 17 little sections of commentary. Nice. Same kind of stuff you'd find on like a Blu-ray or a DVD, just in you know five-minute chunks. And we have behind-the-scenes features. We have a music video, Ooh, uh, two music videos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we just posted a couple clips from the movie um, just to give people a, a chance to... Check it out. We have to be a little careful. Our stuff is very graphic, so sometimes clips don't oh, right, do right. very well on, on YouTube. They're not very happy with us. But people from YouTube don't listen. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> we're – yeah, anyway, I'll stop talking about that. But, um, legal, legal, But anyways, legal. and so – yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's all good. But um, Well, it's great because yeah, so I would – I mean, I've seen the movie and I really enjoyed it. I think one of the things I really like about it is how it's – it doesn't wuss out. Like you said, it is graphic. It is gory and, and crazy. But there's also, to me, like the ideal audience I think for it would be like 14-year-old boys I think would love it. Like, mm-hmm. Or, or yeah. I mean, 14-year-old girls too. But that kind of – it has this really neat charm where it feels uh, fun for like innocent-minded people in a sense. But also, <laughs> I mean, if you're a hardened badass who – you know, hates the world, it's really fun for you, too. Uh, but I, I really like the spirit of it and that it does have this kind of hope. And as much as it is apocalypse and, you know, the world is all washed away, there's something still really sweet about it. And I think that's what I really kind of uh, was attracted to. Well, thanks. You know, that, that was kind of important to us from the beginning. You know, this initially jumped from Greg's brain, Um the very kind of seeds of it. And I'm into Christmas horror, like you wouldn't believe. And oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Like, yeah, well, we'll get into that. But um, my original thought was like, oh, Killer Santa, great. Let's make him badass and crazy mm-hmm. and, you know, drug addicted and all that. Punish. And Greg was like, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Greg was like, no, I think let's just make him kind of sweet because if he's, he's badass, but he's also just supposed to be cheery, jolly old St. Nick and almost kind of dumb. I mean, not dumb, but, you know, this one kind of thing that just can't, stop you wanting to spread holiday cheer then it's much more interesting and we have more places to go and if so right i mean i don't yeah. know that we keep making it otherwise i mean there's a place for that kind of you know brutal stuff and i you know either own or have seen you know most <laughs> of, them. of them but yeah, yeah right um but yeah oh, and just the last thing too about our channel so the biggest thing people can do is subscribe 
because when you subscribe and you get con- you get consistent views on all your videos and people are watching them on a consistent basis, you get YouTube's attention. So if we get YouTube's attention, they'll the push us more. Not the uh, not the scandalous attention. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Um, you know, mostly just in terms of promoting us or potentially opening their doors for us to make videos that'll be promoted. You know. By them, and you know they have a studio they give you access to at a certain amount of subscribers and stuff. So um, we already have all this stuff sitting there. We have we're like fifty thousand views away from a million channel views, I believe. So you know we've been doing pretty well. So we all right. So our fifty thousand listeners do. are going to get yep. on that. Hell yeah! That's right. <laughs> awesome. Great. So everybody should go check it out. I will we'll also post it. I know I think we put it on the Facebook page. We'll put it on there again. This way everybody has the links, can go right there. Because let's face it, it's much more fun to watch uh, a couple of clips and, and shorts about a robotic Mechazilla Santa Claus than it is to debate the merits of 16 Candles. <laughs> yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'll, <laughs> I, I'm very familiar with that debate. So Yeah, yeah. I Would you agree, necessarily... Christine? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For for, oh, the, oh. for those who don't know, if you go to our Facebook page, there was a rather hilarious debate about if Sixteen Candles is an appropriate film, and somehow that turned into uh, me being quoted as saying I need that the film should be destroyed, which I never actually said. You, but. I, you've said that to me in private, well, in private, private Christine. <laughs> Look, when I talk about burning books and movies, that is. Uh, protected information. She's so terrible. You I should know. hear what she says before we record. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, did I <laughs> didn't press record before? Did I? I hope not. <laughs> uh, yes, but anyway, point being, a better way to spend your time than either watching Sixteen Candles or telling me what I think about Sixteen Candles. <laughs> but yeah, so InfiniteSanta.com or the YouTube channel you can get to from InfiniteSanta.com. I'm guessing. Yep. Yep, awesome. you can get there, and uh, it's all all waiting for you. And just real quick, we have a side thing we're doing with the gigantic 100-foot-tall evil bunny from the movie where every week he chimes in. It's very stupid on um, various <laughs> things like his love of Julius Caesar and um, how he hates T-Rexes and um, he hates the snow, which I'm kind of waiting for the next huge blizzard to really unleash that on people. So it's had a pretty good response, but Wait, we do a new Julius one every Caesar, Saturday. the play or the person? The person. Okay. Just curious. Yeah, he, yeah. he loves him. He's Maybe a man he just of really courage. liked, uh, you know, Shakespeare. Oh yeah, no, he's. I don't know if it is. I don't know what his views on Shakespeare would be. Actually, he is into Shakespeare and sonnets. I believe. I think we recorded something like that. See, I do all the voices, and then Greg animates, and it's like three months later. It's like, oh yeah, I guess I did say that. So <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yep. And uh, oh, and just the other thing too, we're putting out a new. Infinite Santa related video every Wednesday and a new Big Bunny trapped in time every Saturday. Awesome. So stay tuned. So there's yeah. always stuff. And if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, I'm guessing you get those alerts. Yes, you do. Yes. You'll be the first ones to watch. Fantastic. You can type in first in our comments. So. All right. So everybody do that. Uh, and then the rest of what we were planning on doing today, for those of you at home still listening, uh, in case you gave up when I started talking about 16 Candles. Yep, uh, they, so. they, they set their phones on fire. I help it, Christine. Whatever the listening device they're using, they strangled themselves See, with their headphones. Here's the thing. I don't know if you know this about me. I am really stubborn, and I 
don't <gasps> like to admit defeat. <gasps> and therefore, if somebody like thinks but, that they beat me, oh, but I don't on. feel that they did. Clearly weren't defeated. Yeah, we, clearly we were not defeated. Oh, we, you, you weren't defeated. You, well, that's what I'm vi- saying. Like, it's but, the victim of the spoils. I don't know what those are in this case. It's Maybe, not like, enough it- for me to know. Like, I, I just, I can't stand uh, being, now, I'm not always right. I'm the first to say that. I have been wrong about one or two things in my life. <laughs> but when I know I'm right and I'm having a conversation where the other person refuses to, admit that it just makes me really frustrated and therefore i don't back down and i know it's a problem uh probably should have gone into law or or some or something like that like politics would have been great at that i'm sure um but instead i i use engage in facebook discussions where i don't back down that's that's where we're at with that hey man I was talking to nobody. <laughs> That's true. That <laughs> is even truer. So it's fine. Um, I I commend your bravery and your courage. Why well, my stubbornness? I applaud the stance that you took and you stuck to your guns. Also, you were right. Well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> and even if you weren't my friend and cohort, <laughs> I would still say you're right. Oh, that just melts my little ice cold heart. Well, you know, I do what Aww. I can. Oh. So on to happier matters. We are here today. What we've decided to do is just, uh, we've talked about a couple of Christmas movies in the past. Uh, Some people might remember our sterling review of the Christmas that almost wasn't. Right, Christine? Ugh, I've tried to forget about that. Oh, best movie ever. Can you sing those songs for us now? Would you like me to? Or would you, do you want me to just play them? I'll play them at the end of the episode again. Because okay, people don't believe I've, me until they hear the songs and realize just how bad they are. Oh, I've Michael, never have, forgotten them. Have you ever seen The Christmas That Almost Wasn't? No, I was going through um, some various Christmas uh, movie ideas, and I came across it, and I completely forgot about it, actually. So I'll, maybe I'll try to put it on the list this year. I, it, it's one of those movies. I didn't see it as a kid. I saw it when I was in high school. One of my best friends, it was like her movie that she watched every year around the holidays, and it's just so weird. It's from, like, 1968. Uh, it's a musical. Some of the songs are actually okay, and some of them are just, like, literally the one song is just a guy rhyming words with the word prune over <laughs> and over word again. Prune. I had a oh, pet baboon weird. and ate donuts with a spoon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name again is Prune. She's uh, saying it for me. That's, and that's, that's how he you. sings it, too. He doesn't really sing it as much as it says it. Uh, the guy whose name I can't remember, but the very Italian opera singer who was in South Pacific, he's in the movie. So, I mean, it has clout, okay? Uh, <laughs> but it's just weird and very cheap and odd. And if you've ever seen the Simpsons episode where the kids are snowbound at the school, you know, the one I'm talking about where Principal oh, Skinner yeah. makes him go to school and they're watching this endless movie, The Christmas That Almost Wasn't But Then Was. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that whole thing is supposed to be kind of a play on The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. So anyway, it's that's not- my pitch for that movie, which is not one of the movies I picked. Uh, so for those, because we never said it, well, the three of us each picked three Christmas movies or specials that are near and dear to us that we decided we wanted to talk about and share with you, our 50,000 listeners. So, to start, we'll go around, we'll do one at a time. Uh, I would say we should be ladies and let our guest go first. 
Yes. So Michael, I'm tell us not a lady. Hey, well, obviously, I can <laughs> I can tell you folks that. I mean, Michael, <laughs> what's your first pick? Okay. Well, I was trying to figure out um, order. I'm gonna I'm gonna come and ease in a little bit. So, first one is one that my good friend Joel Lemieux, who I believe you know too, Emily. I, oh, yeah. Zomb- yeah, Zomb- Zombie Frank um, from the Drive-In Horror Show. Um, he showed this to me, and it had been on my list to see for years. And it's about as sub- subversive as a film could get in 1960, and it's mm-hmm. The Apartment by Billy Wilder. Um, have you guys seen it? You know, it has no. been on my list forever, and I have not seen it. I am ashamed it's- to say Sure. Well, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's one of those. It's a bit of a kind of a fringe Christmas movie. Um, see, part of with this with the list, I didn't want to go totally obvious. I have a couple Fair that enough. are are a little, but you know, trying to find interesting oddball Christmas movies. The lists aren't that huge. Um, but basically, it's one of those that is all about um, sex and infidelity and um, oh, geez, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but. Um, okay, put it this way. You know how in uh, in the pre-code um, films, they would have to imply a lot of stuff when it oh, came yeah. to sex and murder and all this? This is about as far as you can possibly push it. Basically, it's a guy who rents out his apartments to let his bosses go there and have sex with people. Yes. That's right. This yeah. is right at the end of the code, right? This is right before Psycho would kind of kill it for good. No, this is 1960. They still had a ways to go. When did the code end? I thought the code ended around the time of Psycho, but... Uh, I want to say the code was 66 okay. or 67, because the uh, Night of the Living Dead was 68, and that was one of the first ones yeah. after it. sure. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's really it's just a really well-done movie. It's, um, it's uh, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine and a bunch of other really good actors. So I guess if you guys haven't seen it, there's not a whole lot I can really um, add to it, but... I guess part of the reason I like it in terms of Christmas is that it does have that kind of sweet Christmassy setting, and yet there are all these things that are really, really wrong. And especially if you have any sense of film history and how hard it was to do this, and you look at it through the viewpoint of someone that was in the audience. Because, you know, people always had, you know, always read things into uh, to films sexually in that kind of era. That it's it's a real trip, and there's no other film that's really quite like it. So highly recommended. I don't know if that explains enough of why it's awesome, but it you is. know, I've I've heard many reasons for why I should see it. Primarily, just oh, it's Billy Wilder. It's I think it's one of Roger Ebert's favorites. Um, but I had mm-hmm. never really heard of it discussed in terms of how it skirts the Hayes Code or how it kind of works within the Hayes Code, and that in itself I find fascinating. Just because so many times when films try to get around when the when films had to get around it and they end up today feeling so much more explicit than if they were able to just say things, uh, and that in itself makes it is like one more reason that for me to say ah, I should have watched that. So I will I will definitely seek it out in time. Christine, yeah, you've yeah, never that's seen a really either? way to put it. I have not. No. Yeah. Blind spot, definitely. So thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Um, yeah, no my, yeah, my lady Christine. All right. Well, <laughs> I could have taken a lot of angles with this. Oh, I know. Me too. And I don't know what angle I ended up taking. I guess I'm being mostly serious with these picks. Um, the first one 
is a movie that I think we talked about on this show. Oh, yes, we did. Okay, I think we, we talked about it on the same episode we talked about The Christmas and oh, Almost Wasn't. What a miserable show that was. <laughs> um, it's 1985's Santa Claus, starring one Dudley Moore. Mm-hmm. If you listen oh, back I've seen to that. The- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you did. If you listen back to the episode in which Emily and I cover it, I'm pretty sure I hated it. But when I, I know I did. Of, when I think of like Christmas movies and holiday movies, I always think of this one, and I don't know why. It's not good. It's really bizarre. It's directed by the same person that directed Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, it is, Christine. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. So, it's a movie. It's better than Supergirl, I'll give it that much. It is better than Supergirl. I don't know why I have such a fondness for it. Like, what about it? It, it just is such this, it's such this wonderful movie in my head. <laughs> when you watch it, you realize that it's not. No. And I don't know how it's gotten secured in my head that way. I mean, that I happens know- to all of us with something this from our childhood. Really it, it, I See, what's funny to me is that... If we hadn't watched it two years ago and when both of us were like, this is terrible, then I would totally understand you calling it back and saying, oh, I haven't seen this in years. This is my... But we watched it and it wasn't good. But I still have those memories of like probably 10-year-old me sitting at school sure. sucking on a candy cane watching this That's like right. right before Christmas break and being like, this movie, this is the movie. <laughs> and then for the longest time, I couldn't remember the name of it because it's kind of... In an, an innocuous time. I, I mean, it's not the first movie or the last yeah, movie named Santa Claus. Movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would try to explain it to people. And this is before, obviously, I had all my movie friends. But I would explain it to people and they'd be like, that's not a movie. <laughs> that didn't happen. So I had no idea what it was for the longest time. Oh. It's not good. But it, but it's important to you. Lithgow is in it. Oh, my God. Really- he's, he's the best thing in it. Best thing in it. John Lithgow in that movie almost makes it worth watching. He's my favorite villain of all time. He's so good. The problem is he doesn't, like, show up until, like, 45 minutes into the movie. And then he just walks away with it. He's so good in that movie. There's such weird orphan stuff in this. It's (laughs) really confusing. There's the kid that lives on the street, like, and every year Santa Claus brings him, like, a porcelain doll. It's like, oh, yeah, this will buy me, you know, a place in the shelter tonight. Yeah, I don't know. There, I just was looking at the IMDb and there's a, a thread on its page called 500 Things I've Learned from Santa Claus the Movie. <laughs> so if you guys have some time to kill, you might I want mean, to click hey. on that. Uh, Michael, have you ever seen Santa Claus the Movie? Well, it's funny you bring that up, Christine, because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And I don't know how it would hold up now. It sounds like it might be kind of unintentionally awesome. But, um, but isn't it interesting, though, that some of those films that we have such close identifications with, you just can't, even if you watch them later and you don't, they don't hit you the same way, you just can't part with. And I, I think that Christmas is one of those times that those just tend to connect because Christmas is such an emotionally charged season anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I do remember that, actually. And I don't remember the little, the little girl, but um, yeah, I'll have to check that out again. T- take a look at it. It's, it's, I mean, nostalgia is a thing. I was recently defending the Ewok movies because to me, those were like my childhood Star Wars more than anything. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared to ever watch them now because I think I'd be very sad. But I, I don't know if I can let go of, of the, um, 
if I were to watch them today and think they were terrible, I don't know if I'd how I'd feel after that. So I'm just gonna keep living the Santa Claus the movie kind of way and not <laughs> revisit anything from my childhood that I loved. Yep. Well, there you go. All right. So my pick. Uh, while we're going with, um, okay, I, I don't know if I cheated or not. I mean, I, I kind of made the rules and I didn't really make them. So we'll say that I did because I have two TV things on here. Oh, yeah, whatever. But that's okay. Right? That's fun. All right, go then. Uh, so my, um, the first of my TV ones is, uh, to, it's the one thing that consistently every Christmas now for probably the last like eight years I have to watch and it's only 45 minutes long and it is the Pee Wee's Christmas special. Oh, so oh, good. So good. So good. Uh, I wanted so many reasons. I remember I watched it as a kid. I, this is probably like, I think 90, 89 or 90 and got it on either DVD or VHS like a while back. And it's amazing for so many reasons. One of is how much it covers of the holiday. And it's one of the first, like as a kid, it was probably one of the first TV things I saw that actually mentioned Hanukkah. Like there's there's a Hanukkah portion of the show, and they even tell you that. And and then you find out that the dinosaur family is Jewish, which was a little cute reveal. Oh That's yeah, right. it has when you when you were just if you were to say, did you know that there was a something that that featured. Joan Rivers and Cher and Magic Johnson and Katie Lang and Grace Jones and Annette Funicello. Like when you actually say all these things and you realize all of these people came together for this, that's amazing. Uh, the and the other thing is the whole Christmas special, which was probably a little bit, I guess, before my time. I guess Christmas specials where you would have these, you know. Uh, Bing Crosby's Christmas Hour and all of those kinds of things, which is what the Star Wars holiday special is when they bring out the, you know, guest starring and these people that have no connection to this whatsoever, but they wheel them out <laughs> just to say something Christmassy and leave. Uh, it's something that I wasn't overly familiar with when I watched this, just because I, th- I feel like that was a little more late 70s, early 80s. And so the Pee Wee's Christmas special comes along and is is really lampooning it. It's really funny today if you watch the Star Wars holiday special and realize like what a Christmas special was supposed to be, and then you watch what Pee Wee does with it. It's amazing and really smart and fantastic, and it just never fails to make me really happy. And you guys have both seen it. Yeah, it's been a really oh, yeah. long time for me though. Oh, go back, go back, Christine, go back, back. Don't yeah, watch I watched Santa it. Uh... Movie. I watched I'll it just, last yeah, year. I'll just watch Santa Claus movie again. When did you watch yeah, it, Michael? Yeah. We I watched it last year for the first time, in probably fifteen years, maybe. Okay. And uh, it holds up, man. It's it's so it's so good, and it it just has all that stuff too. That as a kid, you kind of miss like the the really odd sexual overtones, and <laughs> um, you know, which which is just kind of kind of bizarre. It's but so, um, it's bizarre, but, but it's not um, overstepping its bounds. Like it's not like oh, if, no, if you're a certain all. age, like you're not like, oh my god, they said that. Like no, like you just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's kind of perfect actually in that in that regard. Um, and I remember just really liking the the message because it's all about you know Pee Wee's always inclusive. You know, even um, yeah. uh, what's the the bad marionette's name? The Randy. one that's always a Randy. He gets, he even gets Randy a gift. Mm-hmm. It's like 
you know, it, it's got a great message for kids. And um, I don't know. I, I guess it really balances everything well. It, it has that cool parody kind of subversive quality. And it's got a good message. And it's not boring. And it's not annoying. Yeah. And, and it's, it's short, not pandering. And it, it doesn't linger anywhere. And Dinah Shore's stuff is really funny. Yeah. Every all those guests. Who who does the one who's the one he has like licking Christmas cards? Annette Fudicello and Frankie. Oh yeah. That's right. He has them yeah. enslaved as his Christmas yeah, card that. makers. Can oh, we can great. we go ice skate? Have you finished your Christmas cards? No. Then no. <laughs> it's so great. Uh and now, Michael, you have a child. I do. He is three. He is three. So is he Pee Wee's Christmas special age yet? He'd probably dig it. Okay. I mean it it might yeah, it has a lot of neat, neat animation. He loves animation. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd probably dig it, actually. I mean, the 45 minutes is a little long for sure. um, attention span, but he's seen Dumbo and a couple movies, and, and uh, he can sit through Sesame Street. So he could probably do it. Okay. I, I'd, I'd consider that for I mean, this I don't year. want to he tell you how to raise your child, but I'm just no. saying. You probably want to show him this before you do the apartment. raise his child. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Right. Um, no, I bet he'd dig it. Mm-hmm. I bet he'd dig it. All right, so moving on, it is your turn, Michael. What you got? All right, so this falls a little more into my wheelhouse after that warm-up of the other one. So it's kind of hard to pick which one is next, but I think I'll probably go with Christmas Evil. Yeah. Which has, over the years, risen into the ranks of one of my top Christmas films and one of my top fringe horror films because it's just so damn creepy. Christine, have you seen this? No, well, I don't remember watching it, but I know I did. Okay, <laughs> it's been a long time. Sure. Again, watch sure, it before sure. you watch Santa Claus the movie again. Clear, clearly, it didn't make um, an impact on me. That surprises me. Oh. I know it really yeah. is. I don't remember anything about it. It's a special oh. movie. Yeah, it's very special. It's um, it's a guy who has a lot of traumas associated with Christmas, and he kind of takes on the role of Santa Claus by knowing if someone's naughty or nice by watching them through their window with um, binoculars and yep. um, hiding in the bushes and Keeping passing judgment on people. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. It's really trashy. And in a great way, like a John Waters way. It's actually, it's John oh, it's Waters. One of his favorite movies. Film. Yeah. Yeah. It's his favorite Christmas film, the single yep. favorite Christmas film. So, and it also stars someone who was on Sesame street, which is, um, even if you don't recognize him, he has a really odd quality to him. And well, the ca- cast is weird because it's um, uh, I forget Taggart. I forget his first name. Is it Brian Taggart, who's Fiona Apple's dad, is the main yes. guy. Yeah, and that's right. What's his name? Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Fr- fr- every Frank Darabont movie. Uh, I can't believe I forget this guy's name. Dale from The Walking Dead. And oh, he's in it. Yes, I think he is. I think he's the brother. Oh. Norman Reedus? No, not not uh, Daryl. <laughs> not Daryl. Dale. I don't know. Coral, I don't Coral. know The Walking Dead. I got confused. Uh, he's the only Jeffrey one I know. Something. Jeffrey something. He's in The Blob, the remake of The Blob. He's the yeah, no, I know exactly you're talking. Okay, his name is Dale. I'm stupid. I can't think of his the actor's name now. I'm embarrassed. But oh, that man. guy, I think, is the brother. And you know who's, who has a cam- who's not a cameo, but just has a tiny part in it? Patricia Richardson from Home Improvement. Really? She's the mom of, like, the really bratty boy early in the film. The one that I no, feel like thanks. he puts, like, coal or poop in her bag, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this one shot of her. You're like, is that Mrs. Tim Toolman Taylor? And it is. <laughs> awesome. 
Awesome. No, it and it is it is great. I just IMDb too. It's Jeffrey Jeffrey Demun. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Demun. Yes, or yeah. Demun. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's to- in oh, the mist too. Yeah, he's he's in everything from Darabantas. <laughs> Yeah, no, he was wonderful. Let's name them all right now. Let's <laughs> yeah. stop doing what we're doing. He was yeah, he attended right. Frank Darabont's wedding and bar mitzvah. That's right, right. Um, but yeah, so but it's just it's just great. Um, got a hell of an ending. It, oh you know, God, I whole, love the ending. Oh, it's it's so it's so weird and just awesome. And I um, I refuse to believe that it's. I have a very strong interpretation of the ending because it ends the way I yeah. want it to. Yeah, me too. I think it's probably the same version. Yep. Um, yeah. No, it, it's amazing. And um, it's also, you know, it's kind of funny. I think sometimes when you find a low-budget kind of sleazy film, they don't often succeed despite themselves. You know, you look right. at something like this or even Maniac, it's like even with their flaws, they succeed because they, they're done well. It's like a movie wouldn't be this genuinely creepy if they didn't know what they're doing. So. Just as a filmmaker, it's inspiring because they do do some shit that's really weird and really and it, unsettling. It has and, so much you know. heart, too. Yes. I, yeah, I think it does. that's the big thing because you can – I mean there's you know, there's a dozen Santa Claus kills people movies out there. And mm-hmm. this – first of all, it's not really that. It's He's not just going around killing people. He is just punishing people that, that he thinks deserve it. But it's also – it's because he loves Christmas and it's because he – Loves the idea of Santa, and I mean, really, he is a—he's a mentally unstable man. And mm-hmm. the more I watch the movie, the more I get a little more of that. I think, but even it—it deepens the more you watch it. I watched it last year for another podcast for the Mad Bad Downright Strange podcast, uh, and it was fun to watch it with somebody who'd never seen it because uh, Richard, who had never seen it, it was—it really was. He was like, "This is." so unusual and endearing and sweet and oh it's wonderful yeah and you know and thinking about it i think that's a reason to watch it is that it's very unique like very there's much. really it's a funny mix of like um late 70s early 80s sleazy horror with really good performances like something from you know a quality of the stepfather or henry or something yeah. of just like taking the material really seriously and getting people that can act above and beyond what the budget is. Um, and also, as an aside, there's a Blu-ray that was put out of it. And I got it at Rock and Shock this year. And I'm so excited to watch it. Because nice. I talked to the guys that did the transfer. And they did like a 4K transfer. Which for anyone who's film nerdy is like, that's the stuff they do for Jurassic World. So oh, sweet. Like, <laughs> yeah, they gave this movie this treatment that probably cost more than the budget. So. <laughs> probably triple that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. All right, Miss Mickapiece, what you got? Yeah. Um. So I wanted to, you know, do something different, not be as predictable as I could have been with this, and I, uh, I chose to go with Home Alone Two as my next pick. Very interesting choice. I would like to hear why you chose Home Alone Two. Lost in New York. Well, yes. Well, that's part of the reason why. Okay. I mean, he's in New York, isn't he? Yes, he's actually in New York. It's not like a Lifetime movie where they save no, the city and just have establishing I, shots and that's it. I just rewatched it like two nights ago. <laughs> um, I like the first Home Alone a lot, obviously. I mean, I am a human person. Uh, it's fun and funny. And mm-hmm. for some reason, we always watched it on Halloween. 
not Halloween, Thanksgiving. That would make okay. sense. We Halloween. always watch it on Thanksgiving leading into the holiday season. Uh, I don't really ever remember, like, sitting down as a family and watching the second one, though. I don't think I really ever watched it until I was older and it was, like, on cable. And it's all, it's really bizarre. Like, it's it's... The first one's violent, obviously, but this one's like, like hyper violent, more like, homicidal, if you will. Yeah, like like people would have been dead. <laughs> well, I think they would have been dead in the first one too. But like this is this is like how okay. The, so not only is there no blood, you're right. The but, brick. I, for, I forget that the very first thing that happens is they he sends a brick from like a three story building at Joe Pesci's head. I think that would have killed him. Bricks at Daniel Stern's <laughs> head, point. so that they leave imprints. So like he would have he would have been like severely concussed, brain damage if nothing else, brain, yeah. brain damage for sure. But like I, this one's really it's really strange. As much as I love it, I I kind of hate it. It doesn't make any sense. Like they just lost this kid last year. Why would no one? I mean, they set up all these reasons why. But, like, I don't buy any of it. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't do a head count once they got on a plane. They didn't do a head count once they get off the plane. They, like, they really dropped the ball as parents. <laughs> Again, yeah. They're kind of the worst parents in movie history. But then there's also, like, funny stuff. Like, Tim Curry stuff, and, and oh, it Tim is Curry's really funny. Screen, and yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a great, as much as it's a terrible movie, I guess I do have some kind of nostalgia for it because it is very funny to well, me. Well, it's such a New York movie. It is. It's in, like, I like when I can recognize places mm-hmm. and I like when, like, geography makes sense. Well, like, if he was here and then he ran up the street, that would make sense. Right. Um, I just, it's funny, too, because it feels like it was also filmed in, like, like a six-square-block radius around <laughs> Central Park West. Like, there's, like, it's just right there. There's He doesn't go anywhere else in the city. <laughs> Which is a fair if, I mean... It is. It's, it's other, rather than him bouncing around from, like, he's in Chinatown, he's on the Upper West Side, now he's on Long Island. Right. Like, at least, at least it makes sense as to where he is. So there's a bit of that for it now. Like, I like screaming and pointing and saying, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> but And he's also cute and funny and ridiculous, but... I don't know. I like the second one. Interesting. Now, Michael, where do you stand on Home Alone 2? Oh, it's been so long since I've seen it. My recollection is pretty similar. I remember that the second one, the violence seemed so much more painful. And they're both <laughs> yeah. essentially like Looney Tunes. You know, there's right. no real consequences, you know, or Tom and Jerry. And I don't know at what point it crosses the line where it makes you start to remember that it is fake violence because I remember it's something like a lit on fire or something in the second one. Like the, I think that's the, well, in the first he, one, he gets his head lit on fire. He gets lit on fire in the right. second one as well. Okay. Um, yeah. And he does this like handstand and puts his head in the toilet to put okay. it out, but the toilet's <laughs> right. filled with like gas or kerosene or something. So everything <laughs> explodes. <laughs> I mean, I'm um, laughing. Wow. So clearly it's funny. It, it is, yeah. but it's like it's like abs- it's cartoonish. Yeah, it's absurd. Like there's no way that would ever happen ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. I like you know now that you mentioned, I like to see it again because when you're a kid, sometimes you just accept that movies work when they work, and you don't think about how how weird it is. And then I remember thinking when I saw the second one, like, wow, this is really violent. <laughs> um, and I was into violent movies, you know. But even with that, it stood out. So I like to see it now, actually, and see. How they do it, because now as a filmmaker, sometimes straddling that line between what works and what doesn't 
um, can be really tricky, and yeah. I'd love to see what the differences are. I remember enjoying it. I remember it was really fun. I mean, both those movies were, and it definitely – it's kind of funny. It seems a little bit like a Lost World Jurassic Park 2 kind of excuse. It's like everyone knows you're just doing it to watch the movie. Right. Like, like Jeff Goldblum's stuck again. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be there, but he's stuck again. It's like, yeah, they lost Kevin again. We got to make the movie, so we'll just say something and then go on with it, which I think is yeah. Fine. You know, I we, think we have to cool. get to the point where he's lost in New York. Just shut up. Don't pay attention to anything else. Just blink. Now he's lost in New York. He's Colin. lost in New York. Yeah. I swear, it makes sense. See, yeah. I saw it in the theater. I remember I seeing, you know, when I was what, like nine years old, seeing Home Alone and thinking this is the greatest movie ever. And then I was so excited next year for Home Alone two, and. This is the kind of case where, like, the reverse of that, like, childhood nostalgia, uh, you know, making a movie better for you. I was so pissed off at the age of 10 watching this movie. And granted, like, I was just a probably a shitty little kid because I'm sitting there with my arms crossed saying, this is just like (laughs) the first movie. Only now they're talking French. This is just like the first movie. Only now it's a different movie. Like... That's just like the first movie, only now instead of a crazy old man, it's a crazy old pigeon lady. It is All a pigeon of those lady. things made me so angry as a kid. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was so the like funny. feeling as though suddenly for the first time I was smarter than the movie. Than the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. Also, really, like, settle in and think about it. He, that lady was homeless and hung out with pigeons and he gave her an ornament. <laughs> that was the end of the movie. That's you know, that's all you need, really. Like nobody was like, "Hey, homeless lady, I how know. about a shelter? How about a soup kitchen?" Yeah, nope, nope. All I need is my ornament, and my bird seed. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Pleasant life that you're gonna live in your mansion. Yeah, I oh God, so many emotions about that movie. Yeah. But yeah, take a look at it. I think we. <laughs> Rented it from Amazon for relatively inexpensive. Okay. Sadly, I don't own it. <laughs> there must oh, be I'm a, a, I'm a, a full set somewhere of oh, the there's a third with, one. Have there's you a seen the third one? Fifth one, isn't it? One is there? Has a, Malcolm McDowell oh, in it. I, know that much. I was just gonna say that we were watching clips on YouTube. This, yeah, I, J, is Jake Lloyd in one, or am I making that up? I think Lloyd. I'm making that up. No, I'm making that up. Maybe, maybe Jonathan Lipnicki. One of those, like, precocious child actors of the early 90s is in one of them. Mike, how many have you seen? I've seen the first two. Oh, I'm, I'm on IMDb right now. And they have five. Oh, hi. So one of them has Malcolm McDowell, and I was watching clips. Okay. I awesome. think I think I need to run the series. I think I need to do this. Oh, boy. I Good mean, luck. Look. My husband might leave me, but I think I might need to do this. <laughs> it might be might... worth it. Wow. Scarlett Johansson's in number three. Oh. Okay. Oh, so you're doing it then, it's right? It's done. Yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Just one last thing to jump in with, too. Hearing you guys talk about your ages, I was um, 13 for the first Home Alone and 15 for the second one. Ah. So that was an interesting age, like I said, to be really aware of the violence. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, was in, I mean, I've been into horror movies for years by then. But I do remember, kind of like you said, Emily, where you realized, you know, you were better than the movie. Yeah. Like. I remember thinking that, like, I was able to think a little critically about the movie um, just because I recognized how different it was. I couldn't put it into words. You know, now that I make movies, I can kind of put into, you know, if I thought about it, I could probably put more into words than I could then. But it is funny. And I totally kind of forgot that that was a bit of a benchmark. Yeah, what a homework it was. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because it was such (laughs) a big cultural thing. I mean, when Home Alone came out, everybody. 
I remember seeing it like a month after it came out, and I felt like I was the last one to see it. But right. I went. It was a right. packed theater. It was everybody, like everybody that Christmas took a picture of themselves with their hands on their cheeks. Yep. 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 Uh, that movie was huge. Yeah. All right, so my pick number two is not a good movie in any way, uh, but just it's one of those really bizarre, weird movies that I saw sometime when I was a teenager on cable one day, and I remember thinking, "This, what the fuck is this? And it would be years before I finally could could look on IMDb and say, you know, I feel like Keanu Reeves was in this like weird children's Christmas movie with Drew Barrymore. And then look it up and discover that, no, I'm not crazy. Babes in Toyland. Uh, I forget. I think it's <laughs> oh, 1989 yeah. or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Keanu Reeves, uh, the chick who's not Phoebe Cates, but who I always think is Phoebe Cates from Popcorn, uh, Jill something. Jill. Oh, I know who you, you know mean. who I mean. The brunette. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eileen Brennan from Clue. Richard Mulligan. Uh, and a, a young Drew Barrymore who is, like, right, like, emancipated Drew Barrymore. So it's, like, right when, like, she becomes her own woman and seems like she's kind of drunk the whole movie. Uh, And Pat Morita as the toy maker. And he has a song, and he sings, and it's painful. So this is a movie that's sort of a Wizard Ozzy thing where Drew Barrymore is this little girl and... You know, she doesn't get to spend Christmas with her family because everybody has to work. And then she gets into a car accident and is transported to Toyland, which is the cheapest looking Toyland you've ever seen. And everybody there is like a giant gingerbread man or like a little Bo Peep-esque thing. And Eileen Brennan is like the old lady who lives in the shoe and she has all these kids. And Richard Mulligan's the evil monster who wants to marry her daughter. So she's like, yeah, sure, I need to get rid of a kid. And Keanu Reeves is the love interest. And it's just weird. And it's one of those movies that you, you wonder, like, how exactly did this all come together? Like, where... I, I guess the equivalent would be like one of the more kind of adventurous uh, like Hallmark movies now. Like if anybody, I watch a lot of these bad Hallmark Christmas movies because I'm kind of fascinated what? by them. No, you don't. I know, but there's one from a few years ago called Snow Globe with um, I think it's Christina Milian where she plays like this waitress who gets a magical snow globe delivered to her and gets sucked into the world of the snow globe and of course the world of the snow globe is just like a little bit magical and very like artificial and Christmassy and everything and that's kind of what Babes in Toyland is except it's trying really hard to be like the big kids movie there's all these original songs and they're all terrible and nobody really looks like they want to be there but everybody is, and it exists, and I don't know why it's not talked about more. Uh, so that's what I'm saying people should be spending their Christmas doing. Babes in Toylanding. A- I think you just made all of that That's up. what it sounds like. Okay, the first song, I'm not even kidding, it's an entire song about Cincinnati. About no, how no. Cincinnati <laughs> is a magical place. I'm not kidding. Drew Barrymore and Keanu Reeves sing a song that? about Cincinnati. If you say wow. so. Right? Like, no, like, if I told you that, you wouldn't believe me. And you might not believe me right now, but I swear, people, look it no, up. I believe you. I believe you. It, it was just seems... streaming on Netflix a while back. I don't know if it still is. Uh, so it's out there. It's probably on YouTube. At least watch the Cincinnati song. Because you haven't lived until you've seen Keanu Reeves sing about Cincinnati. 
That does sound pretty awesome. I saw that back when I was a kid. I was I was eighty. Were you horrified? Yeah, I was nine when that came out. So I don't. Oh boy. I don't remember much about it. Do you, did you, um, do I think you remember? They, did you see it in the theaters or? No, I saw it. On, it was I think it was one of those where, my, like, my parents got it on videotape because my sister was. I mean, I was probably I was probably ten and she was you know seven. So it was something that she could watch that yep. I wouldn't complain too much about. I don't I don't know if I <laughs> I don't have any and... memory about it. Oh but, man. Yeah. You, you should revisit it. It's a, it's as weird as it, as it sounds. I will. Awesome. Good. All right. So, Michael, what is your final pick for the holiday season? Well, this is a Christmas movie that I like so much that I used to rent it and watch it when it was July and June and March until I finally just bought it from the video store. Now, anyone that used to go to the video store would know it because you'd walk by and it would be this hologram of hologram oh, yeah. holographic yeah cover where you'd walk by and the snowman would you know open these huge jaws and it yep. looked like it's reaching out to get you and it's Jack Frost the one from 97 i believe or 98 not the one with Michael Keaton which as is the actually giant scary Amanda. the one with Michael Keaton is that that Jack Frost is really horrifying to look at i hate that, that movie cgi snowman are not cool <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've heard. I kind of do want to check it out from the kind of early days of everything must be CGI. Um, but um, no, I mean, Jack Frost is just, oh, where do you begin? I mean, that was another one where um, I think I recognized things in it before I could articulate them. Mm. And and I think one of those things was how much like Evil Dead it is. Like it is shot and filmed and acted a lot like Evil Dead. Hmm. Like some of the some of the dramatic scenes, they're played cheesy and it's all entertaining. Like that's what I like is that no matter what the scene, they make it fun. Like it just yep. doesn't matter. And if it means making a crazy logical leap, you know, like using a hair dryer against him, a bunch of hair dryers, <laughs> then they just do it. Which is very much in the spirit of Evil Dead. You know, it's like, well, you know what? I just want this movie to do this awesome thing. So I'm just gonna do it. And They've created a universe where this stuff is consistent. And if you go back and watch it, like there's a lot of nods, the camera work, like it's not as kind of over the top um technically as Evil Dead. Like like even if you'd never seen um a class on cinematography or known anything about it, you can look at Evil Dead too and be like, What the hell is the camera doing? Like it's whipping right. everywhere. It's, it's very you know? different from anything else. Yeah, and it calls a lot of attention to itself. Like, if you watch Evil Dead 2 and then watch Jack Frost back-to-back, I think you'll notice that it takes a lot from that and pulls back just a little. Um, And it also has a snowman raping Shane Elizabeth in a shower, which is just (laughs) one of those fabulous scenes. Everything, oh, those little jokes, it's awesome. No, the puns are so great. I have one really petty issue with that scene, though, with the, Uh the carrot rape. It's not the carrot rape, it's the fact that... Elizabeth Shannon takes a shower and spends like 10 minutes blow drying her hair and then gets in a bath and gets her hair wet. Nobody does that. Right, Christine? Have you ever like blow dried your hair and then jumped in a bath? No. Exactly. I don't even want to tell you the lengths that I've gone through to keep my hair from getting messed up after I've taken the time to do it. Oh, believe me, sister. I know. I've been there. I've been there. And, and that's this one thing that's always bothered me about that scene. Uh, uh, but that aside, I I never made the Evil Dead Two connection. That's quite interesting. It's been way too long since I watched it. I used to love it, and I, as much as I know that since then you've had a fair amount of kind of these very self aware like high concept horror comedies. 
Mm-hmm. I always loved Jack Frost. I always felt like it did bring something new to that. And you know what else I loved? I love the sequel. I've actually never seen the sequel, if you can believe it. I remember, and again, it's been probably at this point 10 years since I watched it. I remember thinking the sequel kept the spirit, still had a lot of fun with itself. And it adds the fact that um, there are snowball babies, which are really cute. That sounds awesome. You should check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right, Christine. Yep. You're number three. Or one. Or one. Whatever. If, yeah. However sure. you want to look see. at it. The, the third Three one that I am eyes. saying, the third one that I am saying to you um, is the Christmas toy. Yay! Which is a Henson production. Mm-hmm. Um, also a movie that I was told didn't exist for a long time. I, you know, I <laughs> felt that way about this movie too for years because it was on when we were kids and before the internet could verify that. Yeah, and and then... When you, well, when I finally found it and all the Kermit stuff is taken out now, I tried to explain to people why that would be. And they said, well, there was never Kermit stuff in it. Well, I can show you a cover of the the VHS that has Kermit on it. Like, like, this is one of those weird ones that just got like sucked into nothingness. And, and also if you, if you talk, talk plot real quick, it's about toys that come to life when no one's looking. Yep. Oh, are you talking about Toy Story? No, no, no. no this no, was like not- 10 years before that. <laughs> yeah. Not not that. But um, I love this movie so much. Just thinking about it makes me want to cry. I have a lot of emotions about this. I love um, Rugby and Mew, oh. and I love, um, is her name Apple? Uh, Apple, yeah. Yeah, Apple. Boy, oh boy, everything about this movie is amazing and perfect and wonderful. It is the best movie ever made. Um, I love it so much. I don't own it. I don't have a copy of it anywhere. I used to have it on VHS. I don't know what happened to it. I think I got rid of... When I was younger, I don't know if you guys did this, but there was this period of time where I had VHSs that I enjoyed and, and liked, and then things started to go on to DVD, and I didn't really use my VCR anymore, and... I was just like, okay, well, I have DVDs now, and I never. When I moved out, I never bought a VCR. I bought a DVD player, mm-hmm. so I didn't even own one for a while. And then, so like, all, in my move, actually, it was my move to New York. I got rid of all my VHSs. It just and just not even really thinking, like, oh, I'll just get DVDs. Yep. And then you realize that not every <laughs> everything made it over and won't make it. Yep. So so then you have this big like gap of stuff and that is a real bummer um and this is one of those i think there's a dvd i haven't checked in a real long time there was a dvd but for a while it was wicked expensive i don't know if it still is yeah i've seen the dvd out there a couple years ago i don't know if it's still out there or not but and i'm trying to remember the cover because i feel did the cover have kermit on it there's one with kermit on it which was really confusing because i thought like you said they took all the kermit stuff out yeah, they're not when they re-released it. There is a DVD, and it does not look expensive anymore. Like okay. legit four dollars. So I should probably you just should buy just get it. Then. But there was a point in time where this was almost unfindable. Yep. And through like legal means, and and that made me really sad. Yeah. Because it's really sweet, and the songs are really good. Songs are great, and yeah. the voicing is great, and it. It, you know, I used to think that my stuffed animals came to life when I turned around. What do you mean used to? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Isn't that common knowledge We only now? have more evidence that it's true. Yeah. The Christmas toy is so good. And it's that um, 
Because it's Muppets, it's Jim Henson, but it's not the actual Muppets. Yeah, and so just Kermit intro like, it, right? I think so, yeah. But so the creatures are all original, but they're all like fuzzy, and you could see the texture on them. Yeah, and there's something about that. But like, yeah, you do. You just want to hug all of the characters in that. They're like toys. They're just nice, cute toys. And when they and the whole, I don't want to spoil too much for you guys, but the whole premise behind it is they come to life, and if if a, a person sees you out of place, you freeze. Yeah, and they have like a weird term for it. I can't remember. They like but call it they, like going to the dark place or something really they, awful. Then they take you and they dump you in this like dead toy section. God, and you just become a, like, and that's, oh God, I forgot about how horrifying that is. Yeah. And so like, there's these toys that you super like and you're like, don't get caught because they'll get frozen and they'll never talk again. Yeah. It's so upsetting. It's really intense. It sounds yeah. awesome. Oh, you've it's never so seen good. That? No, I haven't. And it actually, the treatment you mentioned about taking out Kermit, I wonder if that's what happened with um, the same thing with Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, yep, yeah. where yep. where it was when um, I think when Disney acquired the rights, they got it to or whoever got it. Something happened when Disney got the rights to the Muppets, and they couldn't put out the versions they had before with Kermit because Kermit belonged to the Kermit Muppets, but the other now, stuff belonged to something else. Everything else right. was still Henson. Like it's right, Jim Henson. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jim Henson still has all its stuff, except like for the Muppet Muppets, like for Kermit and Piggy and stuff. So Kermit just kind of dabbled in all this other shit, you know, because it was whatever. It was one big right, umbrella like, at the time. Like Kermit or something. Yeah, yeah. So who cares? It's like Kermit is telling you about these other Muppets you should look at. Who knew that like years down the road you'd get all, all this that like, legal stuff intermingling would make some of these stuff, some of these things. Like unavailable in their original format. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. And it's about on par with you're going to cry as much with the Christmas story as you will with Emmett Otter. Oh, Emmett Otter! Oh, God, both of those are just gut wrenching. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't seen Emmett Otter until last year, and it was um, it was pretty awesome. I think I would have appreciated it even more as a kid, especially the strangeness of the the Nightmare Band. Oh my but, God, the Nightmare Band um, is so scary. Oh, it's excellent. Um, but it was great. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I'd never seen Emmett Otter as a kid. I watched it like maybe three years ago, and it destroyed me. My God, yeah. I was sobbing watching that. And the, the music in that is because it's Paul Williams' music in yeah, Emmett Otter. Yeah, so good. And it is amazing. Yeah, yeah but I don't ever want to watch it again because I don't want to cry that much. Nope, I own it and I won't watch it. Yep. I think I didn't. I get it for you. Maybe you did. I, I don't I know. Did. I have it because I'm I have cool it and I want to make you cry. Apparently, I won't watch it. I'm afraid. <laughs> All right, so now we've come to my number one or number three or whatever. Uh, so I kind of was was gauging like, all right, so what's going to be this one? And there was really no other choice for me. Uh, and it's plain and simple. It's the Muppet Family Christmas. Oh. So this is also Yay! made for TV. This was um, talk about VHS. I recorded it off of TV and always missed the first half of the first song which is We Need a Little Christmas from Mame. But I always, like, my memory of this starts halfway through the car ride because that's when the v- the VHS recorded it. And what I love about this is it is the Muppets go to Fozzie's, uh, Fozzie's mom's house to hang out for the holidays. And then Sesame Street comes by and trick-or-treats and they – or trick-or-treats or carols, whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, the Fraggles are in living in the basement, so they party with the Fraggles. And it's just a really, like, it's just the Muppets hanging out for an hour in a Christmas house. It's so good. It really is. It's really funny. And it's so much, like, as a kid, 
like you didn't always get crossovers, you know, like, and there was something to me, like the Muppets and Sesame Street were very important parts of my childhood. And the idea that they could be put in this universe together, like I knew they like lived in the same universe. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw the Muppets take Manhattan. I know that Sesame Street's going to come to the wedding and everything, but it's the first time you get them really all interacting. And like to have... So to be able to see, like, Bert and Ernie and Kermit and all of this was just as a kid was, like, everything you ever wanted in life. Like, all they needed to do was throw in an Ewok and I would have been set. (laughs) But even without them, uh, it's just really fun. It's good. Yeah. I love it. I have have a fondness for it as well. I didn't see it until I was a little bit older, though, somehow. Man. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know where I found it or how I started to see it, but I definitely didn't see it when it aired. Okay, it's on YouTube. I I don't know that it ever had a DVD release, but I know the whole thing is on YouTube. And I believe if you're lucky and you watch the version I did last year, you can find the one that has the original commercials that aired with it. Oh, fun! Oh, yeah, cool. right. That's, awesome. That's always a good time. Uh, it's just wonderful and teaches us all to be careful of the icy patch, no matter what. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so these are nine Christmas holiday recommendations that we give to you. Uh, now, Christine and I are going to be back soon, in a week or two, with uh, a very exciting episode. Yes. Christine, what are we covering on our next episode? Um, are we covering... Do you remember? Silent Night, Deadly Night? Uh-huh. One, the first one in the remake? We are. Okay, because we're covering, Ooh. Emily and I are covering something else somewhere else, so I didn't want to get confused. Oh, right, 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 yes. <laughs> we, we do a lot of coverage here at the Feminine Critique. We cover critique. some stuff. Uh, yeah, Christine, Michael, how crazy is this? Christine has never seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. Ah. Oh. It's right. so good. I would have put it on the list, but it's been talked It's been yep. talked about so much, and you guys are doing it on your own, so I'm glad I didn't. Um, it's, it's great. Are you watching the director's cut? Do you have access to it? I don't know what I have. Um, how, I haven't. I haven't gone and gotten it from anywhere yet. What is the okay, different? If, can you give me like one or two differences, and I'll know if I have the director's cut. Oh, big time! I'll speak very cryptically, okay. Emily. Um, I've seen it enough that cryptic will will work for me. Okay. Are you aware of the scenes that were heavily cut the first time? Uh, not. I would uh, no, because I feel like it's always been pretty brutal. So I'd be impressed at whatever's cut. Yeah. Okay. Well. Various things about the transition of the main character were restored mm-hmm. that were originally edited. Okay. Um, and it's in it's in actual scenes. You can I mean, if you to the trained eye, you can tell the footage is different. I noticed my wife didn't notice when we watched. Um, so I don't know. She also wasn't paying attention to okay. that necessarily. So I don't know if that's something you'd pick up. Um, what I'd say, Emily, is once we're done you know, scope it on, on DVD or okay. DVD, IMDb or some other place and just see which one you have. Um, the DVD I have says like uncut on it with this great old school, you know, exploitation kind of font. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, the version you were net, you know, you were always meant right, to see right. or whatever. So, um, okay. and as I, long I as it still other... has the musical, mon- the montage in there, the, I love my oh, job course. montage. Cause that's really the best moment of the movie. 
Spoiler oh, alert, no. Christine. Yeah. I, no, thanks it, a it lot. Don't ruin this for me, guys. I'm, yeah, I'm uh, just so excited sorry. to hear you watching it, uh, having never seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been a really big blind spot for me. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we're going to cover the 2012 remake, I think. Who can, who can say? Yeah, I think it's 2012. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that, that'll now, be a fun you, time. Have you seen the remake, Emily? Um, not yet. Or actually, I have, but I don't want to say anything yet because we're going to talk about sure. it. Sure. No, uh, of course. Well, yeah. Well, I, I have not seen it. I'm going to, I think... Uh, see it and then tune in to hear what you guys awesome. say about it. Yeah, and I'll um, be curious because... what you think of the remake as well. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Oh, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Wonderful. And remind people again where they can find you. InfiniteSanta.com mm-hmm. and uh, also, if you're looking out for my stuff, Drive-In Horror Show is the anthology I did. DriveInHorrorShow.com and um, yeah, we're all over social media and the usual stuff. Um, check us out. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's awesome. the big one. And, and also, uh, Night Living Pod. You were on Night Living Podcast a couple of weeks ago with your yep. partner Greg and Freddie interviewed you guys, and it was a it was a really great episode. And I would recommend people if you wanted to hear more about the process, which is actually quite interesting. If you're interested in in filmmaking at all, then check out Night of Living Podcast. Well, yeah, thanks, definitely. Yeah, Freddie's awesome. They did a, that was really fun. They always do a good job. Yeah, they're they're, they're good folks over there yeah. in Cincinnati, the capital of Magic Land. Yeah, right. <laughs> now I have Freddy to find Sanford. that song and play it at the end credits. Damn it! Nice. All right. Well, and people remember, you can come to our Facebook page and talk about things that aren't John Hughes movies. No, uh, only John Hughes. Movies. Only John Hughes Christmas movies. Uh, so we're there, and we'll be back before the full swing of the holidays with our Silent Night episode. But until then, I think we could say uh, good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> May I tell you something? I have been around the world more times than you can count and do you know that I have yet to see a child who's wide awake I wish that for my sake just once they'd stay awake just long enough to say hello to me I know that parents say Santa Claus will stay away if children are not fast asleep in bed I wish they'd break the rule On Christmas there's no school Why can't all children stay up late instead? What are children like when they're wide awake? Are they just as nice as can be? Are they always as polite With their faces scrub bright? The way all children are when they're asleep. What are children like when they're wide awake? It's always been a puzzle to me. Do they always wear a smile? Mind their manners all the while. The way all children do when they're asleep. Some people say... Children are good Only when they're fast asleep I must confess 
It's only a guess. They're just as good when they're wide awake as when they're fast asleep. What are children like when they're wide awake? I think they're just the same as you and me. Some days they get in trouble, and on other days they bubble, and that's the way I think it ought to be. And that's the way I think it ought to be. Sam, Sam, I can't face them.